Who Series 7 The Christmas Special The Snowman I'm Caleb Woodbridge I'm Sarah Burrow Happy New Year to you all, and it's a year of new things for Doctor Who, a new title sequence, new companion, new uh, TARDIS, and of course uh, this is the anniversary year, so uh, lots going on, and uh, the new companion, uh, Jenna Louise Coleman, making her proper debut. Yes, everyone Yeah, so, well, even then it's... Well, yeah, she's going to be... Technically, a new one next episode too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> are they going to keep this up every episode? Do you think? I don't think so. the The trailer gives a bit more away, doesn't it? Which mm. we all no doubt we'll discuss later. But. So uh, yes, intriguing. Uh, we will get to that shortly. Um, but yes, uh, this year's Christmas special. It's been a couple of weeks, but we've mm. been busy with our various Christmas uh, celebrations. Uh, but we have at last got the chance to get behind the microphone and record yep. our commentary. Um, so, just briefly, what were your impressions? Um, I really liked it, um, mainly because of Clara. I, the only reason I liked the Silent of the Daleks was because of Clara, so, or Oswin as she was then. Um, I think she's doing really well. I liked parts of it, other parts of it not so good, but um, yeah, certainly quite a decent Christmas special. I know a lot of people are feeling it's Certainly a much better Christmas special than we're used to. And for one, I am glad that there is a lack of uh, plastic Santas. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought, I thought it was good fun. Um, I thought um, uh, Clara is, uh, is very good, very engaging. Um, I did think that uh, on its own terms, it was perhaps uh, slightly unsatisfying. It felt more of a setup. Um, and I think this is um, some, becoming something of a perennial problem with Stephen Moffat's writing. It's, it's all set up, set up, set up, and the payoff uh, so far I haven't felt has been always that um, no. uh, wonderful. So There are certainly a lot of parallels that we can see with what he's already done with the series. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that works out. Um, but on the whole, it, it was good fun. Um, I think, let's see, um, of the Christmas specials, I think it's certainly better than last year's, mm. the, uh, one, um, with, uh, the, li- uh, the Lion, which the, one, the, the Doctor, the Widow and the Wardrobe. Yeah. Yes. Um, which, which doesn't feel like it was a year ago. Which, yeah. <laughs> we were sat here discussing that, but. Um, well, we've not had a full series within the no, episodes, but uh, yeah, so that felt fell slightly flat for me, mm. um, especially as a massive Narnia fan. I was expecting to. I think that's the thing. I think a lot more we, than I did. They really did have a home that comparison, and then there was no real comparison when you watched the episode, mm. was that other than the title, and that they were in a big house, and there was a well, there wasn't even a wardrobe. 
box. Yeah, it 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 nodded to it visually, but once they got through, well, that was about it, really. Yeah, it. The, it mm. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that. Um, but personally, I preferred a Christmas Carol to this one. I think. Um, mm, uh, I, I, I think that was more um, had a better narrative. Was more self-contained and yeah. had a better story in and of itself. Um, yeah, but this is probably the funniest. It's... I like this one purely because I really quite like Clara as a character. Yeah, which is winning it over for me compared to a Christmas Carol. But in terms of the actual storyline, um, I think it could have done a lot better in this episode. I think the ending, particularly, is is another one of those. Aha! Here's the resolution. Two minutes from the end. Yeah. Um. Well, um, but, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's it's one of the better Christmas specials. Mm. Um, uh, Definitely. But uh, yeah, lo- lo- lots of fun. And um, although it's not, in some ways, it's quite inconsequential. I think um, the Christmas special is probably. I think it always is, really, um, isn't it? And I think the time for that. In yeah, sense. and I think in most series you get where they do a Christmas special. They usually are. Fairly, and in fact, if anything, actually, this is probably one of the more influential in the sense that I suspect that the the whole last sequence Mm. is going to count a lot more towards the series um, arc, the story arc for the rest of the series, than any of the other Christmas specials. I think probably it's less standalone than some of the other Christmas specials. Yes, because a lot of the Christmas specials they they often bring one off companions in, so you have the likes Mm. of sort of Kylie Minogue. um, I can't remember the name of the woman who was the jewel thief. Oh, in, um, in the um, Planet of the Dead. Um, yeah. Michelle Ryan. In, Michelle Ryan. In the Easter special. That was that the Easter special, was it? Yes. Yeah. But that idea, you know, they bring off one-off, one-off companions in. Obviously, was that originally where Catherine Tate was? Yes. Yeah. Was so... The obviously didn't, You know. But um, whereas this one we've got, we know she's an established companion. Mm. So I think there's probably a bit more of a knock to the, what I imagine is going to be, much to Swithin's displeasure possibly, a rather heavy story arc for the next <laughs> series relating to uh, to Clara as a character. Well, let's get stuck in. Uh, if you're listening along at home, press play now. So we begin with some... Rather toothy snowflakes. Yeah. Now, again, Moffat likes his childhood characters, and yeah. uh, there's an echo here of um, uh, A Christmas Carol and seeing the villain as a child. Yeah. It also struck me as there's something a bit Calvin and Hobbes about. Um, uh, Antisocial child making uh, <laughs> evil snowmen. Yeah. <laughs> that, sir, is a fine moustache. <laughs> the voice of Ian McKellen. Yes. It's really obvious it's him as well. <laughs> I don't know why it's because obviously we've not long watched The Hobbit, mm. um, but it's we, very obvious. Yeah. It's like it's like when you put Bill Nye's voice in something, you just go, "Well, you know who that is." Yeah, 
just they've got very distinctive voices. And we will be discussing The Hobbit in more detail at some point. Just because Caleb can't restrain himself if we don't. (laughs) I'll try not to do that in this episode. Yes, we'll try and keep away from it. Fifty years later, he has turned into Richard E. Grant, who has played the Doctor twice before, but in unofficial capacities. And Um, I think it's certainly the opinion of quite a few people I've spoken to about horrendously underused, I think, probably in this episode. Hmm. Not necessarily because of him, but... The last of the arrivals has been sampled. A great swarm has approached. As humanity celebrates... I said that there's not a great deal of depth to his character. Mm. He's rather transparent in what he is. There's no real explanation for his... Evil. He's just a, a bad egg through and through. I think this is part of uh, one of the Cardiff University buildings. Certainly, they use some of its uh, corridors later. Oh, the, the the famous corridor turns up, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, good line that. And nice use of transitive and intransitive verbs carrying completely different meanings. Yes. Giving them food and feeding them. And here we are. It's Clara. Mm. Last seen in Asylum of the Daleks is... Say Dalek. Yes. Making soup. Souffle. Evil Snowmen. It surprised me it's taken this long for Evil Snowmen in a Christmas, Doctor Who Christmas special. Oh, and here's the Doctor. In the shadows. Dark and moody. But with Amy's glasses. bit of back and forth banter which yeah. of course Stephen Moffat likes writing and is very good at the yeah. zippy dialogue not so much the girl who waited as the girl who runs headlong after the doctor yes. Now it's interesting that they've moved back towards the Doctor Moore uh, the Victorian look because they steered clear of that for a long time in the new series because with the classic series there was the kind of archetypal the idea of the Doctor as um, dressing often Edwardian or Victorian costume, sort of something anachronistic, but they made a very definite effort to make him modern when they brought it back. Well, certainly, I mean, obviously, Eccleston wore a leather jacket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
which I think is about as, you know going as far the opposite way as you could really. Mm. And Tenant was a bit, a bit less. He went more pinstripe <laughs> suit, didn't he? And yeah. Then, I think they, they slowly moving back. I mean, obviously, because then Matt Smith came back then with the, with the bow tie. Yeah. Why do they keep faffing with the credit, the title sequence? It's annoying me. <laughs> Oh, I quite like this. This joke. one's better than the last one. Yes. And I like the flash of the Doctor's face in the title. And Pete said that, didn't he? Like, it's, he referred to... Yeah. I and this, this one's the last this one. this bit here is very like the Tom Baker things, um, like an updated version of it, that bit at the end. So I do like the way it evokes... Um, what it does to you. Yes, <laughs> if you're familiar. Yes. For, for those who are familiar with such yes. But I just think, why do keep faffing with them? Or do you keep playing around with them? Good that remembers the Great Intelligence Institute. Now, I haven't talked to Swithin, um, one of our regular podcasters, about this yet, but I imagine that he was rather pleased by um, this, because... It's been in before, hasn't it, the Great Intelligence? Yes, uh, in the 60s episodes, um, uh, The Abominable Snowmen and uh, The Web of Fear. Yeah. Yetis. I don't know that Pete certainly is very pleased to see it. Mm. Ah, and here we have Madame Vastra and Jen. Which. So, apparently. These are the inspiration for the Sherlock Holmes stories in Universe. So they've got married since last time we saw them. Mm. They got married last time we met them, were they? Yeah, well, last time it was a bit more nudge nudge, wink wink. Yeah, they were Um, together. I don't think it was. Subtle last time. <laughs> yeah. But here it's spelled out. Yes. Completely bindingly, obviously, just in case you didn't. Yes, you get have the point. Last time. But it's less of a joke though this time. Hmm. But um, Great Intelligence used to be Swithin's uh, username on Gallifrey Base. Um, and in fact, yeah. it was in this way that I first encountered Swithin. There's this rather argumentative uh, chat on... Doesn't sound like Swithin uh, at all! ...on the forums, on Outpost Gallifrey, as it was then. And how... Um, and I, I'd i seen him get into several uh, uh, heated arguments in the Tenth Planet section... And um, then saw that he was coming to um, Cardiff to study at university. 
So it was like, oh, <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but he, um, when he turned up, there was this pub quiz, um, and one of the questions was, um, who was the leader before uh, of the Daleks? And um, he wrapped up going, are you talking about before 1974 or after 1974? Because oh, before 1974, it would beat the Emperor Dalek, but after that, you need to probably say Davros. They were probably looking for Davros, one would imagine. Uh, yeah, I think they were. Yeah. Um, uh, and, um, uh, and yes, so I put two and two together and then went up to him and had to ask him, uh, excuse me, uh, are you the great intelligence? <laughs> and he goes, well, yes. yes I Obviously, yes. <laughs> so, and that's how I first met Swithin. Yes. But oh. here we have... Um, uh, Strax. Strax, is, I think, yeah. yeah. Sometime. Uh, Dan Starkey back. Uh, which is interesting because he was dead last time we saw him. Yeah, and also he—he's obviously, you know, I—I I will not take any more companions. They keep dying or whatever, but he seems to have gained a centaur from somewhere. Mm. Um, I don't think he's necessarily Madame Vashta and Jenny aren't doing quite the same job, but. <laughs> the Sundown is certainly fulfilling that sort of role, if slightly dead swan. Yeah. It's weird. This is a, a cute scene. Now, considering they've already uh, banged on about the snow um, remembering, mm-hmm. um, uh, <coughs> At this point, I did think it was rather blindingly obvious when you introduced a memory-wiping worm yes. that this is it going might to... might come in later. It, this might come in handy later. It's a bit like in Classic Who when they come up against um, the Silurians and Sea Devils in uh, Warriors of the Deep. Or is it just the Sea Devils? Uh, but, um... Uh, yeah, um, around ten minutes into the episode, they uh, stumble into a storeroom in this underwater base with hexachromite gas, which is deadly to all uh, marine and reptilian life forms. It's That's like, handy. ah, how long is it until the end of the episode? <laughs> end of the story? Um, we've got another eighty minutes, you say? <laughs> hmm, I wonder how that will play out. <laughs> this is really the only purpose he serves in this episode. Yeah. Now, it does raise an interesting question, though. Of, um, has death become completely meaningless in Stephen Moffat's Doctor Who, considering how much of a revolving door it yeah. seems to be for all of the characters? Yeah. Well, evidently. I mean, Clara's about to become the girl who died twice, isn't she? So. Yes. Yeah. Um, she's still got some catching up to do on Rory, though. Yes, and from the look of the trailer, she doesn't, does she? Because she becomes the girl who died twice, so I would assume mm. that at this point she is keeping it at least at two. Do we get an explanation of why he doesn't get caught in the telepathic field? I don't think so. 
Yes, because for although the doctor sent is supposed to be on his own, you still need to give him the companion characters yeah. to advance the plot, especially when he's holding back so much from investigating. Yeah. You need to have those other characters to drive the story along. Which is why they've thrown quite so many characters mm. in this story. Yeah. I mean... I wonder what people who aren't regular viewers who might not have seen um, A Good Man Goes to War would have made of yeah. uh, the supporting cast here. It's a bit um, random. Even from the point of view, of, if you have seen that, there's no explanation of how um, the Santarin is A, alive and B, involved with... Yeah, why is he there? Yes. Man of Astra, there's a little bit more... It, it, it makes a bit more sense because she is an independent character and she evidently does yeah. jump around and do what she wants with Jenny. So it makes more sense that she's gone yeah. to sort him out and he's trying to drag him back in. And Santarin seems to be in some sort of service to the Doctor, which which doesn't make a great deal of sense. Mm. Um, especially because he, he doesn't obviously have enough within himself to go and search out the Doctor as Man Vastra does. Um there's no conscious effort on his part to join the Doctor. Mm. And yeah, you do just wonder why he's... Really, the only purpose he serves is for that memory worm scene. And to have someone for the Doctor to bounce yeah. off initially. But again, even that doesn't last very long. There's something... Um, a bit Mary Poppins-ish about mm. some of this with her being a nanny and the stuff in the clouds and things. Yes, I mean, certainly in a minute she gets very Mary poppins this, doesn't she? I mean, it's a nice image, the Doctor living on top of a cloud, but again, it doesn't make an awful lot of sense. It's just fun. I think that's the case um, of a lot of things in this episode. It's fun, but the moment you stop to think about it, um, uh, it's begins to fall apart. I think that's another one of those hallmarks of of the Christmas special is that, you know, some of these things you know are only ever going to last for this one episode and then... Mm. And I think there are a lot of series that do that. But yeah, it baffles me because Stephen Moffat depends defends his plotting by saying oh yes people can keep up it's not too complicated <laughs> it's like well of course it's not it's just them keeping up and it doesn't make sense yes. so it, it's, it's like um, uh, uh, 
It's yeah. it's not that I think it's too complicated. I think it's just it, it doesn't hold together yeah. <laughs> when you stop to think about it. So if you're not paying attention, then it. Um, And I guess there's a different there's a difference between things that um don't make sense and things that are just left unexplained, such as how um uh Strax is alive. Yeah. That's more of a just untold yeah. um thing rather than a logical inconsistency. And again, some of these things are only of interest to the likes of us yeah you know which I, you know there are a huge percentage of people who watch this show who couldn't care less mm. there's an interesting pattern of Clara having double lives because yeah both as Souffle Girl and the Dalek and now here is the barmaid and the nanny and then the doubling of her being in the two places and then at the end the third yeah. place. But it seems it's interesting what's going on. Christmas Eve. Latimer's a bit of a non-entity, really, mm. isn't he? Captain name Miss Montague. I don't know if there's any significance to that. I suspect not. But... Child having nightmares that turn out to be real. Another Moffatism. Yes. It's a bit weird as well. Yeah. It, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's a bit of, um, it's the kind of stereotypical um, Victorian emotionally distant father thing. Yeah. <laughs> I do like. How exciting! Do you want some cupcakes? Hello, Pace. Cockney sparrow, apples and pears. Oh, 
I don't, Adam and Eve, it. Beyond the grave. Already Now, I was disappointed because I was really hoping on the basis of this episode that we were actually going to get a um, historical companion yes. one not from the present day um, Yes Philip, one of our friends was saying today um, that he was really hoping that we were going to get a Victorian companion Because um, I think the fact that she's introduced in this episode shows that it's entirely possible to make a um, Victorian character relatable and interesting and likeable. And I think um, you've made enough of her character that she's intuitive enough mm. and she's evidently intelligent enough, which obviously you don't always get in Victorian women, mm. but she's got enough about her that you know it, it's perfectly plausible that you could pick her up and she would be adaptable enough if you took her to another time mm. or place. Um, and that would yeah, be... Yeah, it's a shame that they don't... And that would be a really interesting dynamic to have um, someone from the 19th century um, making sense of um, uh, modern and future technology yeah. in her own terms. So, what do you think are the chances of a Madame Bastra spin-off series? Madame Bastra will ask you questions. You will confine yourself to single word responses. One word only. I guess that is... Um, did you catch any of Wizards versus Aliens? No, not in the end. I saw a couple of episodes, but didn't have time to keep up with it. Yeah, it was quite, quite fun. <laughs> I didn't watch Sarah Jane Adventures either. No. This is a weird scene. Yes. It all works up until now and it's quite neat. Also, at what point, how much time has passed? Because mm. this is only a recent thing, isn't it? All the things she's talking about. Because otherwise... Because he did once. It's not that long since. <laughs> well, I suppose if you take the time popping into account, it probably has been a long time. I suppose mm. it depends on your perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. But from their perspective, they don't seem much older. So yeah. it seems odd that they're talking in... In such absolutes, considering hmm. objectively it can't be that long. Or at least not from their perspective. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it could have been a long time from the Doctor's sideline. We don't know how long he's been reaching around the universe. Yeah. Feeling sorry for himself. We are the Doctor's friends. We assist him in his isolation, but that does not mean we approve of it. So, test me Give me a message for the Doctor. Tell him all about this note and frustrations you believe it presents. And tell him to explain why he should help you. So, this is where it all falls apart for me. Yeah. Because is... the, there's no way she knows the significance of this one word. Yeah. The rest of the one word thing fits really well. Kara, you know, picks the correct word. But to use the word pond, she... Ignoring the fact that she doesn't know anything about Amy. Mm. Also, the word pond doesn't describe anything she's trying to get across to him. Well, it does. It's the pond. Well, yeah. But, it's, but that's it. Yeah. It doesn't do any of the other things that Madame Astra's asked her to do. It's it's, I don't one like of the, it. it's one of those moments that's clever until you think about it. Yes, and I'm thinking about it. Because <laughs> it's a Which, significance that she's got no oh, no way of knowing. Oh, yes. Dangerous. What's wrong? It is dangerous. I don't know. I like the one word bit up until the end of it. Yeah, I think that's the thing about a lot of Stephen Moffat's plotting, is that it's clever until you think about yeah. it. It's a shame, because the beginning bit is clever. Mm. This is quite fun, especially um, given the whole meta thing of... Um, yeah. No. <laughs> I went to um, India's <laughs> Eve party in fancy dresses, Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> it's the 19th century version rather than Sherlock. Yes. Probably a bit more obvious than going with the most recent Sherlock. Yeah. Either of the recent TV or movie versions. Or else I Exposition, exposition, exposition. <laughs> yes. Take the battle. I know what's going on. The doctor getting back into his normal pattern. Sonic screwdriver mechanism. Because <laughs> there are, there is always snow somewhere. You could just take over parts yeah. of the world slowly. <laughs> Start from the poles and yep. work downwards. Yeah. 
Now, the origins of the snow are never really explained because it was that it becomes malevolent is due to um, his mirroring his memories and thoughts and stuff. But the fact that you've got telepathic snow that remembers in the first place is just one of those things. Comic relief, sir. I like the doctor's hat, by the way. He <laughs> doesn't comment on the hat. It's a good hat. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> See, he really he is just comic relief, isn't he? <laughs> what is the point of that scene? Oh dear. Yeah. Doctor nervous moment. Oh dear. You think you'd get you'd get used to how to relate to uh, women? Women. Or slightly, like, slightly less useless. <laughs> oh, Doctor, Doctor, Doctor. Something in the ice. Really? Ah, the doctor is fairy tale again. Yeah. Sorry. that you're going with as to who or what Clara is? No. No idea. (laughs) I didn't expect them to do what they do with her in this episode. Hmm. Um, Obviously we worked out that it was the same we worked out it was the same woman obviously. Yeah. Um, And I like on one hand I like the fact that they kill her again at the end of this. On the other hand I don't. But that's based on uh, the episode. I like the fact that they do it. It's what we then see in the trailer that makes me dislike it. Mm. Which we'll get to when we get to the trailer. But evil governess. <laughs> Punch and Judy. Made infinitely better by a sonic screwdriver. 
It's interesting that all of Stephen Moffat's um, Christmas specials have had the kind of um, period drama feel. Mm. Even A Christmas Carol, which was set on another planet. Yeah. um, That kind of quasi um, historical feel to it. Because Personally, I'd quite like it if they did something a bit more either modern day or future sets that wasn't yeah. uh, playing on the whole Victorian thing. Because it, it is a nice setting and it works well some of the time, but something like, um, say, the first uh, the first Christmas of the human colony on the New World. Yeah. Um, or something like that. And then sort of... Um, the ice warriors turn up or something yeah. like that. <laughs> this next bit pointless again. <laughs> oh, doctor, doctor, doctor. You have a way with the ladies. <laughs> Until he opens his mouth, usually. <laughs> Again, um, a funny line, but somewhat illogical in the context. Yeah. So, literally, his character serves no purpose other than to annoy me. <laughs> and it's a good old base under siege. It's a house under siege by And you've got the other... Uh, uh, Ticking off the Moffat's checklist of a monster with a repeating yeah. catchphrase. Convenient pop device. Because we saw from the trailer that Madame Vestra and Jenny are turning up uh, later mm. in the series. I think that's in Mark Gatiss's episode. Um, uh, oh, what was it called? The Crimson something? Um, yeah, slip my hand. <laughs> DNA in ice crystal. Mm. Mm, not so sure it works like that, but DNA. It's one of those things that gets used um, yes. as standard techno babble. Uh, magic, science, magic. You know, on better we go into something like a blueprint or something. Yeah, that's what it is. It's more what it is than a.
it's it's more DNA in the blueprint map mm. to create rather than the actual form of DNA. Why? Oh dear. Ah! What is uh, it? Do we have to do this whole Doctor Companion romancing again? Well, he kissed Rory as much as he did Amy. Yeah. At least with Amy and Rory, with them, their relationship, it sort of gave a semi-break from yeah. um, the companion falling in love with the Doctor, which he sort of had, but they kind of eventually um, got married. And they occasionally married. brought it up every now and again, and yeah. then they dropped it again, and then... I like this scene. <laughs> Not particularly this scene, but you're going to take those clothes I do like the back and forth between them. I think um, it does bode well. I think I think she'll it'll be a good dynamic on the whole. I, although I'm a bit fed up about the whole companion romance thing. Well, yeah, I'm hoping that they'll just forget that now. Yeah, but I really like this bit because I really like. Mm. He's resisting the solving it. She, he's letting her, mm. and not to mention she does solve it. <laughs> I like the fact that she wrong foots him more than once as well. That's what mm. one of the things I really like about Clara. That's incredibly male problems, isn't it? Mm. It's all there on the inside. Yeah. Mm. Oh, you know that's not going to work, don't you? Yeah. The phrase should keep her trapped for the moment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Doctor, yes, you are sulking. Now, I really love the fact that they do the shots here of going from outside the TARDIS mm. straight in. Because, um. This is very new. I, I reserve your judgment. I don't know if I like it at the moment. Hmm. What I do like, though, is what she does next. <laughs> I really loved this bit. 
I literally laughed out loud when I was watching this with my parents. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I'm laughing, I don't even, she hasn't even said it yet. It's not on the outside. <laughs> <Damn> it. <laughs> I just, it's the wrong footing him, it's the bit like grabbing his hand, you know, working out the ladder thing, that it's more on the outside. <laughs> I'm not so sure they knew what souffles were, did they, at that time? I don't know. It seems slightly shoehorned into the conversation. Yeah, ever so slightly. I do like the new design. It does seem a bit... Well, it's interesting. Um, it seems a bit less organic than they've got. That's what I think. It's very clinical. It's more and like I, the classic series sets. That's what um, Pete said when I chatted to him about it. But I think... I think certainly compared to the most recent incarnation we've had of the TARDIS, mm. which was... But I think mainly it's a colour scheme thing. I think yes. we've gone away from the oranges mm. and, and yellows and browns and things. We've gone to the what's a lot more cold blues and purples and things. So this is very forward of him. He gives her a key. I'm glad he gives in quite quickly. Mm. It would have annoyed me had he held out any longer. Yeah. Oh dear. So they were all goes wrong. Yes, you should have. Yes. I mean, this is her thing. She's barely been his mm. companion for two seconds, and he's killed her already. No, that that's a, a bit reminiscent of with Kylie her yeah. falling down. But so yes. But also, given that he is able to save River Song by knocking onto her cord. Yes. I don't get this. She's got a thing that says no life signs detected, but she is still alive. Hmm. So, well, her little gadget's a bit useless, isn't it? But yeah, I was fully expecting a last-minute rescue and resuscitation. Yeah, I think I think they do well. Like I said, I, th I really liked it up until um, the trailer. Also, he brings the snow inside the TARDIS. Surely that's not a good idea. Hmm. And given the likeness of most of the episode, it's a sudden surprising. It's a good change of tone. <laughs> Although this is possibly why it takes the snow in. Hmm. The Mopey Doctor. The set seems to have um, a greater range of camera angles because mm. the other one was quite... Um, Limited, you sort of got only yeah. a fairly. Yeah. 
responsible for what happened to Clara. She was in my... Ah, uh, so they've used some space agey technology to bring her back mm. for a short period of time, have they? It's that scene as well. It's the doctor saying she's going to live. You assume that, yes, he will find some way mm. to get around it, and she will. Oh, that's why they take, he lets the snow inside, because it's not the snow, it's the ice one. Shards. So I think certainly from his timeline, mm. a lot of time has passed because he's, yes. he's lived on that cloud for a long time. But then obviously he doesn't really age. But, and... but of all the places to choose to go you know, in Silken seclusion, he parks it right above London, <laughs> one yes. of the busiest cities in the world. And where a surprising number of these mishaps happen. Mm. Surprising them for alien impatience. It's always London. Outside of Doctor Who, it's always London. <laughs> There's always wizardry happening in London. In fact, our friend music is, gets heroic. is starting a, writing a book that deliberately doesn't happen in London, just because everything does happen in London. <laughs> Who's that? Claire. Oh, right. colleague texts me after the episode to say she'd watched it with her young nine-year-old daughter mm. and that uh, the do- her daughter really enjoyed the episode but really didn't like the snowmen, she thought they were very scary. <laughs> so he's, he's fulfilled his quota of scaring young children anyway. Excellent. I mean, that's what Doctor Who's really about. Yeah. It's not about pleasing... No. Um, uh, that moan anyway. And it's about um, <laughs> terrifying small children out of their wits or... On that basis, I think they could have been scarier. They only actually mm. eat one lot of people. <clears throat> yes. I quite like that, the whole spinny... The spinny bit, yeah. <coughs> oh, hey, Cardiff Corridor. <laughs> I know those corridors as well. Yeah. The TARDIS is looking very battered as well. Mm. But only from halfway through this episode. What are you talking about, Doctor? So you spent half your time running down tunnels, another half running down corridors. <laughs> Cease. Can't just say stop. Nope. Affirmative. Yeah, you'd already worked this one out, hadn't you? 
He didn't. It's obvious, because he only ever uses words you've already said to it. It, it, it's quite interesting. It, it's um, you've got that kind of darkness about a child. It's quite, I don't yeah. know. Um, it's quite a departure from the usual sort of child is innocent and yeah. pure and all that kind of thing. I don't quite understand what I'm about with Victorian no. values. It seems. Oh, there's a surprise. I'm glad you think so. Because, I mean, Victorian values, family was one of those things that was valued very highly. Yeah. So, yeah. What's happening? What's happening? What did you do? You've got nothing left to mirror anymore. Goodbye. What did you? See now, up until this point, this is a neat, self-contained hmm. Christmas story. You know, Christmas. But then it's it's this bit here, and it's Clara's part in the solution that hmm. one is very convenient, but also I feel it's just convenient. A convenient way to kill her. But also, you get you get the impression that it's an active choice that she has to give up her life mm. in order to save, which is something you don't usually get from a companion until they've spent time with the doctor. Just what you need at Christmas <laughs> is a zombie snowman. <laughs> of course. Or a, well, he's not made of snow, is he? But she's not very good. Is she? Out of she just knocked out of the way. Now it's interesting that um, uh, this in in the novels the great intelligence is a kind of um, Lovecraftian style great old one, um, but uh, so it's um, overwriting some of the novel continuity. I'm sure that the sort of dozen or so Doctor Who fans who actually care about that <laughs> have already developed a theory yes, I'm to sure they have. <laughs> reconcile the two. Oh, stop being so useless, man. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Stephen Moffat seems to have a rather strange understanding of Victorian values or something. Mm. I'm not quite... Oh, 
There's a nice um, link, thematic link back here to the Doctor never interfering in the affairs of um, other worlds except when children are crying. Mm. <laughs> so it's quite fitting that that's one of the things that spurs him back into action at the end. Of the yeah. Story well, it's going on this whole fairy tale yeah. answer to all of children's problems, which is what. That's a very love conquers all ending. Or grief conquers all. Well, yes. It's almost as long as the Victorian death scene. Yes. <laughs> the time that um, Cara takes to die. <laughs> Having um, studied Victorian children's literature, you do get some quite prolonged death scenes where um, the characters say how wonderful it is that they can die nobly and um, sort of uh, go into the arms of the angels and all this kind of thing at great length and, and warn the children that uh, that remain to... Uh, consider their mortality and that they too will uh, one day die and face their maker oh. and uh, they must be good little boys and girls <laughs> as a result. Doctor. <laughs> I like the little Easter egg nod to the Doctor Who fans. Now I wonder whether they're going to bring the great intelligence back sort of with yetis mm. and stuff at some point during the anniversary year. That I, really would make this episode a integral part of the storyline which would be mm. a real um well, departure from tradition for Christmas specials, yeah. wouldn't it? I mean, it's probably the one that's most obviously integrated into the ongoing storyline since yeah. the Christmas invasion. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, I mean, um, 
the runaway bride introduced Catherine Tate's companion, but that only took on its significance. Yeah, that, that wasn't deliberate at the time, was it? It was just coincidental. Now the the run Clever Boy run, yeah. I imagine, is just going to be something coincidental used to link the two. But it is an interesting idea of how does this Clara know mm. what Oswin said. I imagine we won't get an explanation. I think it's just a thematic link. But she looks an awful lot like Amy there. Obviously, her hair's slightly longer, but she looks an awful lot like Amy. Yeah. Now, I really liked them to that point, and then it's what they do, well, what we see in the trailer. Assuming we see the trailer on this Yeah, well, I recorded. Here's... Coming soon. Submarine episode. Oh, that's a lovely. Redesigned Cybermen. But this is the thing. Um, The woman twice dead obviously means that they don't kill her again. She has only died the twice. At but least what, by that point. <laughs> at least at that point. But what I don't like is that we've, we've got another titled companion. So we had the girl who waited. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously then Rory developed a number of titles that involved him dying the last several centurion. times. But the last centurion then from um, The Last Man. A Good Man Goes to War. And what... Philip and I were discussing this um, earlier today, um, saying that he, they've lost the ability to do to bring in a companion that, from the get-go, is completely ordinary. Mm. That because they did that with Ro- and I obviously can't speak from obviously old yeah. who companions, but if you look, if you go back to Rose, he picked Rose up. There was nothing remarkable about Rose, mm. and in fact, actually, societally—that's not a word—but in society, she was actually very unremarkable in the sense that she she wasn't particularly intelligent, she wasn't particularly rich, you know. She yeah, um, and she became extraordinary. But it it, it lasts very it doesn't last very long at all with Amy before we realise that Amy is of a significance, and we don't get any time at all with Clara mm. from the beginning. She is ex- there is something extraordinary now. We don't know what is extraordinary about her yet other than the fact that she's died twice. But she ceased to ceased to be ordinary. Yes. Which the whole one of the whole points of a companion is that they are relatable and that they are they are our viewpoint into the doctor's life. Well she's not like us at all anymore really. Mm. 
And although that might be new and exciting, and it, it will be interesting to see what they do with her, it's lost something in the sense that she's she's not just an ordinary person he's picked up on Earth. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's not necessarily a bad thing, it's just, it's worth a comment. Before, and we're always here to comment on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be, I, I mean, in the way we've we've now got to wait for her third introduction. Yeah. To see how she gets introduced as a regular companion. Yeah. And mm, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works. I mean, it's not—it's not annoyed me enough that, of course, that I would watch or anything like that. And like I said, I think it would be interesting to see what they do do with her. Yes. But I think certainly what I know of New Who and what I know of Old Who is that they're—they're they're crafting a lot. They're, they're crafting different companions now. Companion. Mm. The, the companion isn't what it used to be, which I think sets them up to fail slightly and that they, they're trying to fill a much bigger mm-hmm. idea now of a companion, whereas before he could just pick up anyone they liked and off you go and you do what you like and it's much more creature of the week sort of thing. Now, I mean, we've said this before, haven't we? They're always working now to a an epic story arc, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because they set themselves such a high bar, I think, you know, it it gives them a lot more chance to, to not quite, not necessarily fail, but certainly not quite reach that that bar that they've set for themselves. Yeah. <clears throat> yes, it's interesting because I think, um, in, I'm, yeah, it, I'm surprised that they've not, um, Done what seems to me to be the obvious companion story arc mm. of the companion learning from the doctor, but eventually choosing to leave him not because of unrequited love or them being torn apart, but because they realise that um, uh, they can, having learned from the doctor, uh, they <clears> can <throat> do uh, good in their own world and time mm. and place that they couldn't do. Zipping around the universe, uh, which there were hints of with uh, with Rose, of course. I mean, yeah. Although they were forcibly, to, mm. you know, and, but uh, Rose had that development. She started knowing nothing and not being a particularly yeah. intelligent woman in her own right. Although I think she she was, but she learnt a lot from the Doctor. And what she was able to do towards the end of her storyline was because of her time with the Doctor. Yes, it's about um, what what. Um, what they learn from the Doctor mm. as a character and stuff. Is that they're ordinary when he when mm. he meets them, but they become extraordinary. And the idea that as a viewer, we are able to take that same that yeah. same journey, and that we're ordinary people, and that the idea that through this viewpoint into the, the life of the Doctor, we become have the ability to yeah. become. Whereas you're going to lose that with Clara because Clara is extraordinary, and we're almost going backwards now in that we're trying to. I assume that the series is now going to work out why she is extraordinary. Yeah, and it's—I mean, I suppose that's interesting in itself in that they've reversed that somewhat. Mm. But it's whether they can live up to is why she is extraordinary interesting enough to keep us going. Yeah, well, I think the thing that concerns me slightly is that um, uh, it's the continued Moffat's reliance on the next twist. Yeah, um, and. Um, I don't, um, I don't necessarily want twists. I wouldn't want good storytelling. Mm-hmm. And if 
if you can include twists as part of that, great. But I'd rather something that makes sense mm. and is satisfying, even if you can tell where it's going, um, yeah. than something that's um, uh, unpredictable um, but uh, and surprising. But sort of when you stop to think of it, about it, um, doesn't Falls actually hold mm. together very well or isn't satisfying in itself so another thing um that i found in speaking to more casual viewers of dr yeah is that and even down to sort of my own parents and my brother really i'm fairly certain over the last sort of since you know the doctor who has come back um and certainly since possibly moffat took over that they have doctor has lost viewers because more often than not now you you cease to be able to just watch an episode of Doctor mm. Who and for it to make sense. Yeah. I've spoken to a few colleagues at work where they've seen bits and pieces, but a lot of it doesn't make sense to them. Mm. Because then I've had to say, well, look, you didn't see that episode where so-and-so turned up or this happened or that happened. Whereas certainly what I've watched of old Who, you can very easily watch self-contained episodes that make sense in their own right. Now, I'm not saying that they didn't have story arcs and... Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, with classic, <coughs> it tended to be you'd have a four-part uh, story or a six-part story, and each one would be pretty much self-contained. Now, if you missed episode two or four, you would be mightily confused, yes. but you knew that it was um, part of one mm. story, and there is a clearly defined yeah. uh, beginning and end. Um, uh, I think, yeah... Um, Although my my family hadn't seen uh, Doctor Who recently, mm. my parents, I watched it with them at Christmas, so they hadn't seen um, Amy and Rory leaving, they hadn't yeah. seen uh, A Good Man Goes to War, but they still really enjoyed the mm. thing. So I think um, as long as you're happy to go with the flow of Doctor Who is full of strange and random things that aren't very well explained. Yes, then it works um, fine. Then it works fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then I think, you know, maybe maybe this is the way that they've decided to take Doctor Who and that you are yeah. losing the less of... And other series have done that. I mean, main one that comes to mind is that our friend Brandon, who's been on the podcast before, has just done her annual and her last <laughs> uh, Buffy marathon from, from New Year's Day um, through to watching all, all of the series. And she remarked at the end of that in that the end of it is dramatically different in the last yeah. series than it is to the first series. And that is probably one of the best examples of a series that started off as self-contained episodes, creature, hmm. creature feature, creature of the week, um, and became something that was almost purely story arc based. Hmm. Now you've got the odd one where you had a creature of the week, sort of the likes of yeah. the series six of the musical episode and things. But more often than not, became exclusively um, story arc. And maybe that's the way they're going. And that's fine for us because we watch every week and mm. we overanalyze every episode in relation yeah. to the others you, to I, no end. I, I think it's always the balance to strike with yeah. um, a show is um, that it is more interesting if there is ongoing development. Yeah. But it's making it accessible so that they're mm. uh, stepping on points yeah. um, for new viewers and that things aren't incomprehensible mm. um, and I mean one obviously one big way they go towards doing that is that the recaps at the beginning that you always get mm. and they always give you the tidbits that you probably need to grasp it a lot yeah. quicker than 
Um, and I thought this was interesting because in some ways it's a stepping on point because mm. there is a new companion and um, new titles, TARDIS mm. and so on. But um, uh, on the other hand, it is referring back to mm. past stories as well. So it's kind of, it's, yeah, um, I think I think it is fairly accessible and if you were coming to it fairly new it's sort of reintroducing the character of the doctor something um uh has happened to him that has Mm. left him um uh alone and now he's being drawn back into things i think there's certainly enough in the episode that makes it you know you could watch Mm. it even if you don't know i mean i think it's only because we get the references to the past yeah um i mean my colleague at work watched this having not known that having known who Amy and Rory were, yeah. but not having no, known that they'd gone, mm. um, and was able to follow the essence of this story yeah. relatively easily. It depends on how much they keep harking back to yes. what happened. And but it, I, f- from the trailer, you get the impression that the focus mm. now has completely shifted from him mourning the loss of, of Amy yeah. and Rory and focusing on why does Clara, why and how does Clara exist. Mm. Um, and that should make it a lot more accessible to people coming in at this stage. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's certainly an intriguing Ooh. start. And it gives us plenty more to talk about anyway. Um, 15th and the first of the year. <laughs> um, and our plan is to, uh, over the next few months, to um, do an episode on each Doctor. Yep. Um, in some cases, we'll do a commentary. I think we'll do a commentary on an unearthly child uh, sometime in January. Yes. And Looking quite a lot at the rest of the contributors and yourself for yeah. this one because. Well, um, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd be um, very interested to show it to you and get yes. your first impressions. Promising to know nothing whatsoever, but. Uh, uh... Of it, just to be going right <laughs> back to the beginning. So, um, yeah, get that mix of. Um, views of both um, dedicated fans of Classic Who and... And as interlopers that came in towards the end, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, so yes, so stay tuned uh, for that. And as always, we'd love to hear um, your comments and feedback on, uh, on the episode. So please uh, get in touch and remember to connect with us on uh, Facebook, Gmail and Google+. Plus. And uh, Twitter. Not, yes, Twitter, I meant... Yes, rather than Gmail. Yes, because you've decamped to Gmail, yeah. uh, to Google Plus, but we haven't all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yes, otherwise... Um, well, a Twitter bit. And uh, P- Peter and I are trying to use it a bit more. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, yes, thank you very much for listening, and a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you all, yeah. slightly belatedly. Well, yes. <laughs>